You ready to hear some teaching of the Word of God? Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to pick up in this series that we started last Sunday in uh, understanding our covenant of righteousness. Uh, this is so, so very important. But let's just go to the Lord in prayer. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that there would be an awakening, awakening of faith in this house. Lord God, I pray that you would sound the alarm in our spirit and we would no longer just be on the treadmill of life, but we would wake up, Lord God, to our righteousness and we would wake up, Lord God, to the power and the purpose and the destiny and the plan that you have for us. And I pray that you would use me, Holy Ghost, in a mighty way here this morning to take your word as an alarm, to take Take your word as a, as, a, as a sound from heaven that would wake us up in our spirit, man, that we would go forth into this week prepared to do what you've called us to do. Lord, I pray that our faith would rise to a whole new level. Stir us, I pray, Lord God. By your spirit, wake us, Lord. God, I pray by your spirit you would raise us up to you, Lord God. Strengthen us to believe that we might go forward in what you've called us to do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. You can do better than that. And everyone said, Amen. We agree with that. Amen. Do you know what Jesus said? Jesus said in Mark 9, 23, He said, if you can believe, if you can believe, what did He say? All things. Come on, say it out loud. All things are possible to him who believes. Do you, wanna, do you want all things possible to you? Do you want the supernatural, miraculous manifest of the hand and the purpose and the plan of God available to you in every area? Well, you've got to work on your believer. Come on now. You go to the mechanic and your air conditioner's out. They're going to pop the hood. They're not going to look at your alternator. They're not going to look at your transmission. They're not going to look at your rear, uh, the, the rear end axle. They're not going to look at your brake pads. They're going to pop that hood and they're going to look at your compressor. And they're going to see if there's any, if it, that pump is working. So that, because that's where the source of, of everything comes from to give you the air conditioning that you have in your vehicle. Well, here today, we want to pop the hood and we want to Look at our believer. Our believer may need some recharging. Our believer may need some instruction. Our believer may need some coaxing. Our believer may need some, uh, you know, for us to sweet talk it and to get it working right. Because let me tell you what, all things are possible to him who believes. If you get your believer right, all things are possible. Hallelujah. And I'm praying that our faith would rise up in here. Faith comes by the hearing the Word of God. Amen. We're hearing the Word of God. Let our faith arise. Let our believer begin to believe in another capacity that it has not been before. I mean, a faith that helps us cross obstacles and shout down walls and break through the crowds and walk on water even in the midst of storms. A faith that enables us to come through and survive the fires of life. Boy, the devil will bring those against us and to overcome the den of lions, the devil will try and throw us in there and to silence the serpents and to outwit the foxes. I'm telling you, faith that can overcome all things. Praise God. Our believer, all things are possible to him who believes. I'm telling you, we need some supernatural activity to help us come up, rise up our believer to the supernatural level so that we can experience the supernatural provisions that God has for us. 
It all is found right here. It's found right here. So what we want to do is we want to believe. Romans 10, 9 and 10. You've got to know these two verses of Scripture. You say, well, what Scriptures do I need to memorize? You need to know these two Scriptures here. Verse 9 says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And that word saved, sozo, means healed, delivered, knit back together, everything broken, made whole. It's got uh, shalom, the mindset of shalom, nothing broken, nothing missing. This sozo, this is the word sozo in the Greek, and it's saved. So we've got to what? Confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. And what we do? We believe in our heart that God is raising from the dead. You'll be saved. Look at verse 10. For with the heart, say heart, heart. not the brain, the heart. Not the brain, the heart. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness. So how do we get into right relationship, right standing, and right position for the favor of God to promote us and the tide of God to lift us? We've got to believe with the heart. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. Isn't that what it says there? Then with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. What I have found, that is, and, and I apologize, I repented before God. I did not know. And God says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. I did not know. I gave greater focus to our confession rather than our believing. Because I'm a man of action, and I'm like, yeah, that's what Mike do. I can confess. And, and we make our confession. And how many of you have ever made a confession? Even though it's the Word of God, you confess the Word of God, but it's like a, it's like a bowling ball coming out of your mouth. Bam! And it falls on your toes. And you're like, wait a minute. Anybody ever had a bowling ball fall on your toes? Nobody? I had a toolbox about this high. I had a toolbox full of tools, one of those metal toolboxes on wheels, you know, that you have in your garage. And I was trying to move it, and it's top-heavy, and it fell over about four years ago on my right big toe. It wasn't pretty, I can tell you that. Four years later, it... It stopped looking like an alien's toe, and it does look like a human toe, but it doesn't match my other toe because I, I, stupid hurts, okay? Stupid hurt. Well, you know, how many of you have ever felt like your confession? You, you know, by his stripes, I'm healed. Bam! And it just fell right on your feet. And you're like, wait a minute. That, was, that thing was supposed to go and lift and take me up to, out of this uh, despair that I'm in. And you say, you know... Uh, you made that confession that he who is rich became poor, that, he, uh, that we who are poor in him might be made rich. So I'm declaring I'm blessed in all areas and the favor of God and the, and the, and the, and the fortune of God that he wants me to have that I can be the blessing to my children, my children's children, and I can be a blessing to those who are in need. And you confess it, and it just falls right there. Now I've been to one saying, well, let's pick it back up and let's keep confessing because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth, it brings you unto salvation or that sozo, that wholeness at the uh, very area of your life. So I'm like, wait a minute. So the Lord says, you're getting a little ahead of yourself, son. And I said, oh, so I'm a little excited, too excited about my confession. Eh? And he said, no, you're not. not that's right. He says, but you got to look, look at the word. Look what I said. So I went back to the word and he says, yes, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. I'm like, yeah, Lord, there I am. There I am. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, yet you'll be saved. Sozo. All that, all that blessing that comes with sozo. Then he breaks it down in verse 10. He said, now read the next verse. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. Oh, I missed that. I got to get into righteousness 
before I can, my confession brings sozo. So I'm like, okay, okay. So I roll my sleeves up even higher. And I can work at this. I can work at being right. I can work at doing what's right. I can work at keeping the law. I can work at everything that God has told me to do. Let me just work a little harder, okay? And that'll get me in righteousness. So now when I confess, that brings forth the, the manifest of salvation or sozo. Okay. Then the Lord took me to Galatians 2.21. The Lord has a way of saying, be a student. Before you take it and run, let's get the whole counsel of my word. And uh, he says, pull, pull your sleeves down. So pull my sleeves down. Lord, I don't want to get my sleeves dirty with the work I got to do. I got to work. I got to work. Make myself righteous. I got a lot to do. I can't do this. I can't do that. I got to do this. I better do that. I, you know, I got to. You said, you said if I didn't do it, oh, my, 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 I'm in trouble. So I got, he said, pull your sleeves down. I pulled my sleeves down. He said, look at Galatians 2.21. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Lord, you're, you're messing me up here. I am a works righteousness person. I like to do stuff. I like, I, it feels good. If I can check off, I didn't do that, please. I didn't do that, please. You wanted me to do this? I did this. Aren't you pleased? He says, if you could have done it, that was the whole purpose of the Old Testament, showing you that if by the law, this is what it would take to be righteous, and no one, no one could do it. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of His glorious plan. And the wages of sin is death. But there's a gift. The gift of God is eternal life in and through His Son, Jesus Christ. So we've got to get back to Jesus. So this isn't about what I do. It's about what He did. Come on now. So now if I believe in my heart, if I believe in my heart, the Bible says, that, the, that, that Jesus Christ has been raised, so it's tied in with Jesus and what he did. Why him being raised? Because if he's raised, that means he completed everything he said he would do. He says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to be the blood sacrifice. I'm going to fulfill the law. I'm going to be the hinge now that I'm going to give you, that these are the two hinges that all the laws will come upon, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. If you fulfill that, you fulfill all the law in me. You can't do this without me. It's about Jesus. So now I've got to get my believer right in what Jesus has done for me and who He is. It's about Jesus. That's why we're called Christians. Hallelujah. So in 1 Corinthians 15, 34, He just lets you see what the enemy does. Is He tries... Anybody remember after your Thanksgiving meals, if you overeat, what comes upon you? Sleep. Coma. <laughs> you get so tired. You get so sleepy. And, uh, and they try to tell you it's about the turkey. The only healthy thing you ate in the whole meal was the turkey. <laughs> That's the devil trying to tell you right there. It's the turkey making you sleepy. It's those carbs making you sleepy. Don't you? Come on now. But we get sleepy. Well, the devil does this about righteousness. He does not want... He does, he's like, okay, keep confessing. And it falls flat in front of you and nothing happens. There's no miracle. There's no supernatural manifest of heaven on earth. You'll get discouraged. You'll get rebellious. You'll quit trying. You'll say, this thing don't work for me. 
I haven't been good enough. I haven't, I've, I've got, there's a secret sin. There's something. I didn't keep some law. I didn't, I broke some law. And you're always under condemnation. But John 3, 17 says, God sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Amen? May have this sozo, this abundant life. So what we have to do is we have to wake up to righteousness. 1 Corinthians 15 uh, tells us, verse 34, Awake to righteousness and sin not. See, we like to say, I sin not, so then I can be awake to righteousness. So that's the rolled up sleeves. I kept this law, I didn't, I didn't break this law, I got it all down pat, but now I, I, I am righteous, so now I can wake up. No, he says, wake up the righteousness, and now you'll sin not. Because out of the right relationship will come the right lifestyle. Hallelujah. So if the root is bad, then, then the fruit is going to be bad. If we read in Romans 11 and 16, if the root be holy, so are the branches. They're holy. So if the root be holy, so are the branches. So what we got to do is find out that Jesus Christ, our relationship with Him, our right standing with Him is the root. So it's not us working so hard and being perfect that gets us into the relationship so that we can have... No, we got to get into the relationship, the root of Jesus Christ being Lord and Savior of our lives. And I'm not talking about a religious uh, verbiage or, or nominalism. I'm talking about a relationship where you believe. You believe not with your head but with your heart. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is your righteousness. He is your healer. He is your deliverer. He is your provider. He is your King of kings. He is your Lord of lords. You believe. And out of that right root will come the right fruit. Hallelujah. So the root of Christianity is your right relationship with God. And the fruit of Christianity is your right living for God. Now you will want to honor Him. You will want to serve Him. You will want to bless Him. You will want to uh, praise Him. You will want to advance His kingdom out of that right relationship. So it's not from the head we have this, this thing with God. It's with the heart. Now to get to the heart, we've got to go through the head. We've got to hear the Word of God, and then we get the Word of God in, and then we build, a you might would say, a firing mechanism and a network to where this thing gets established in our heart. I, I think back when I was in the fourth, fourth grade. Believe it or not, I used to be in the fourth grade. Here's this 52-year-old that used to be 10 years old. I think I was 10 years old in the fourth grade, Mrs. Brown's class. We had these old manual typewriters. I had a Royal. I think there was an Elite and a Royal and uh, so I had the royal typewriter on my desk, and uh, that thing was big. Can you imagine a little 10-year-old, this big thing there? And, uh, and I remember Mrs. Brown taking her, her, her little the pointer, you know, and tapping it. And she says, I want, we're going to work on our J exercises. And I'm like, what is that? She said, put your hands on home row. And I got my hands on home row. She said, now when I say the letter, type it. And I'm like, okay. She said, don't look down. She says, okay, now type J. I hit my J. J, 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 J. It seemed like two hours later she's saying J, J, J. It wasn't that long. And then you get to the end and that tightrope, you slam that thing. My frustration, I slam that thing over and J, 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 J. To this day at 52, I know where J's at. I know where J's at. Hallelujah. Okay. 
That thing got wired. Now I can type 60 words a minute. Even at 52, I can type 60 words a minute just looking at something. I don't even have to look at my hands because we went through those exercises. We got it out of the head into the very being. It was like muscle memory, okay? We'll get the heart muscle to remember this, okay? Let us, let us embrace the Lord. Let us hear the Word of God. Let faith begin to work. Let us confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Let us be, say with our own lips, I believe, I believe. And even like the father who said uh, I believe and then he said but help my unbelief let us work on the believer so that we can be established whether a storm comes we J J not J but let's go R okay righteousness righteousness Jesus is my righteousness I'm on the rock I'm not going to let this here deter me I'm not going to let this discourage me I'm not going to let this set me back because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus Romans 3.24 says, being justified freely by His grace is His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. See, this is all about faith. To declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Isn't that powerful? Do you want to hear it more powerful? The message translation or paraphrase has it. I love the way it says it. Dr. Eugene Peterson, he says it this way. Same verse of Scripture. God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, He put us in right standing with Himself. So the righteousness is something provided by Him, right? A pure gift. It's a gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where He always wanted us to be. And He did it by means of Jesus Christ. He took the bad root out... You know, the Lamb of God comes to take away the sin of the world. He took the bad root out and gave us a good root that we could be rooted in Christ Jesus. That's why this verse of Scripture, this is another one you need to have. I mean, you need to have this one. You need, if you have to write it on your hand, you know, write it on your hand. Keep it, learn it, get this one. Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Now, we are, none of us will argue with that. That through Adam and his violating the will of God and the word of God opened up to all of his seed unrighteousness. For by one man's offense, death, death is an enemy of God. That's why he went and conquered death, hell, and the grave. Come on. Death came in. A separating of man from God came in through Adam. We believe that. That's why when we get a little baby and it's doing its... Tantrum stuff, we're like, nope, who taught you this? It's in, it is the Adamic nature. That's why Jesus had to be born through the Virgin Mary, to bypass that, to be qualified to have sinless blood to sacrifice for us. So for by one man's death, of, uh, of death reigned by his offense, how much more? Why aren't we getting this? We're settling for the Adamic nature and we're all sinners and we're all unrighteous and we all make mistakes and we better roll up our sleeves and work really, really hard, keep every law we can so that we can find our way back into the graces of God. Let me tell you what. Remember, he says, if you could have done it in your own strength, Jesus Christ came in vain. If you could have fulfilled it, if Jesus Christ came in vain. So he says, how much more? For they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. So we see here it is the abundance of grace that God has provided for us in and through a relationship with Jesus Christ, a gift of righteousness. 
It is a gift. It is a gift. You've got to believe that. You've got to believe that. And that will keep you from working for it And because now you'll receive it because it is a gift. What we need to do is learn how to receive it. We need to learn how to receive it. And that takes us back to Romans 10, 9 and 10. If we, with our heart, we believe unto righteousness, the Bible says, with the heart one believes unto righteousness. With the heart one believes unto righteousness. How do we get the righteousness? How do we receive the gift? The heart believing. All things are possible to he who believes. So we're working on our believer, right? So we want to, and that's what this series is all about, helping us establish our believer, build up our heart so that we can receive the gift of righteousness, which becomes our root, which now the fruit of God's, every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. The fruit becomes natural. It just, while you're sleeping, the fruit, the fruit is producing. While you're sleeping, your fruit is maturing. And that's what I want you to see, that if you will get established in righteousness, that it flips the switch. It it flips the script. The enemy says he wanted you to work for your own righteousness, which you could never do in your own strength, and you're always failing, but yet you're confessing, and your confession has no power, so it's never going to work. We're flipping the script, saying, devil, you're a liar. Get thee behind me. I'm going back to the Word. And the Word says that I believe unto righteousness. I'm working on my belief system right now. I'm working on my heart right now. I'm working on it as I'm hearing the preaching of the Word of God. That's why I'm here faithfully Sunday and Wednesday because I'm working on my believer because my believer is going to help me get in position to receive all that I believe for. Hallelujah. Genesis 15 and 6. And he, Abram, Believed in the Lord, and he, God, accounted it to him for what? Righteousness, because he believed. So we need a righteousness conscience, because it will boldly cause us to say, yes, I have sinned, but God has forgiven me and delivered me by the power of the blood of Jesus. I am in right relationship with God because of what Jesus did, not what I did. I'm just coming in and receiving by grace the gift that He has for me, and I'm loving on Jesus the more and more, and I'm going to serve Jesus, and I'm going to live for Jesus, and I'm going to tell others about Jesus because it's all in Him, this great gift of righteousness that establishes me so that the fruit of righteousness brings forth the promises of of God in and through my life. Hallelujah. So I want you to, when you get this, you'll start living a worry-free life. Look at somebody and say, you need to lighten up. Just go ahead and tell them, you need to lighten up. We all need to hear that because, you know, we all have challenges. Did you know red lights are long for pastors too? We all have to work on patience, right? They, I think the devil makes red lights longer for pastors, you know. He's like, I'm going to get you. It feels that way to me, but you feel the same about yourself. Okay, we're going to live a worry-free life. Do you know Matthew 6, 25 through 33? Let's just look at that really quick. Boy, our time is getting by us here. We need to jump right in. Uh, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry. Jesus says, do not worry about your life and what you will eat and what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap or gather into the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Yes, you are. That's a rhetorical question he's asking there. Yes, you are. Which of you by worrying can add one cubic to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? 
Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of them. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow, is thrown into the oven, will he not much more, there's that much more again, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these. He didn't say, I don't want you to have clothes. And all the women said, Hallelujah. He he wants you to have your clothes. And and he says, It's not that I don't want you to have some good food to eat. And all the men said, Hallelujah. (laughs) And houses and roof over your head and all this stuff. He says, Your heavenly Father knows you have need of all of these. But look at verse 33. But seek first. Say first. first. Seek what? First. What? The kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then all of these things shall be what? Added to you. The fruit will mature and it's just added to you. You're not working for it. You're not out there striving and worrying about it. It just comes naturally. Hallelujah. So what's the two things he says seek first? Come on now. Seek first what? The kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now I want you to see Romans 14 and 17 and gives us a definition for the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's not eating and drinking, but what? Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah! So he's got like a double message, a double sword. You know, the Word of God is a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword. He's going to cut, he wants to cut it, get it in there. Get it into your, your bone and marrow. He wants to get it into your heart. He wants it to get in there so that you get it. So he doubled up on you. He says, seek first my kingdom. What's my kingdom? Righteousness. Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness. Because that righteousness breathes the joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. So I want you to seek first my kingdom, which is righteousness, and my righteousness. Hallelujah. Sounds like to me he wants us to be established in righteousness. And once you're established in righteousness, which is a gift through Christ, it is a gift you must believe to receive. One believes with his heart unto righteousness. Romans 10, right? Believes with the heart unto righteousness. Now let me tell you what, when he adds these things to you. Here's, I'm going to give you in the rest of the series some of the biblical things that God says he adds to you when you're in righteousness. Okay? Let me just, just pop off a few of them right now uh, before we close. Can I do that? Are you with me another 10 minutes? This side is, this side you sleep. Awake! Awake! Unto righteousness. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let me just give them to you real quickly here. These things, this is where when you're established in righteousness. You understand your covenant of righteousness. It is a covenant. It is yours. This better covenant through the better sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ. Not a bull, not a goat, but the Lamb of God who is also our high priest who has mediated this better covenant, Hebrews tells us, that we have in and through Him based upon better promises. Here's what, when you're established in righteousness, that just naturally starts coming to you. The first thing I have here, it empowers your prayer life. It empowers your prayer life. Look at 1 Peter 3 and 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the... Oh man, y'all getting a little slow on me here now. If I was grading, I'd have to grade on the the curve to get anybody with an A. Come on now. For the eye of the Lord are on the... 
righteous. And his ears are open to whose prayers? The righteous prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Do you see that? He is waiting. He is, his ear is leaning to see those who know they're established in righteousness. Not trying to be right, but has received the gift of righteousness because it's a believing thing. It's a faith thing. And we must come to God through faith. Amen. So he's waiting. And you pray. Just pray. Just pray. I dare you to pray. When you pray. I, and now it's not coming out of your mouth. And falling flat, it is coming to the ear of God, and you see that his eye and his ear is open to those who are righteous. Amen. James 5 and 16 says, the effectual fervent prayer of a heart, what? Righteous man or woman avails much. The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man. It empowers your prayer. Look at the second thing that comes to you when you're established in righteousness. It assures God's presence and guidance in your life. He becomes your GPS. Hallelujah. How many of you learned to trust Siri? How many of you learned to trust Google Maps? How many of you have ever had Siri lead you astray? Siri led us astray coming home yesterday. And we came to a dead end. It was like, wait a minute. And maybe Siri's got faith to believe there's a road coming there one day, but it wasn't there yet. And we had to go back the old-fashioned way and find our way back out of there and get on the road again. Okay, but God's not going to lead you astray. He's not going to lead you astray. The Bible says in Psalms 23 and 3, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. The third thing, He brings stability and He causes oppression and fear and terror to be far from you. I love what Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 54. He says, Oh, you afflicted one, tossed with tempests and not com comforted. Behold, I will lay your stones as colorful gems and lay your foundation with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystal, and all your walls of precious stones and all your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. Look at verse 14. In righteousness you shall be established. And what comes when you're established in righteousness? You shall be far from oppression. The devil can't, the devil can't bind you when you're established in righteousness. The devil can't put his mess on you when you're established in righteousness. Uh, you'll be far from the oppression and you shall not fear and from terror and from terror for it will not come near you. The plans of the devil will start falling on his toes and stop coming and manifesting over your life when you're established in righteousness. Hallelujah. It just follows along with the next one. It says, delivers you from trouble. Proverbs 11 and 8. Can't get any better than this. The righteous is delivered from trouble. And it comes back onto the wicked instead. In other words, what happens is you get this supernatural, invisible shield about you. So when the devil throws sickness on you, the sickness comes and hits him right back between the eyes. When he tries to throw poverty on you, it comes right back and makes his kingdom poor. When he tries to transcend oppression on you, it comes back as a net and it binds him up because it will not stick to you. It will not land on you. I'm telling you, we need to get established in righteousness. How do we get established in righteousness? We believe with the heart under righteousness. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us. So we got to work on our believer. we got to work on our believer. How do we work on our believer? We get an excited preacher who will come back from vacation and will stir us up, who will awaken us to righteousness. That will help. That will help. I believe it. Amen. Look at just a couple more here. It leads to a strong and healthy life. Say healthy life. Say I am healthy. Come on, act like a superhero. I am healthy because I am established in righteousness. Hallelujah. Proverbs 11 and 8. The righteous is delivered from trouble. 
Oh, we already did that. Go to Proverbs eleven nineteen. As righteousness leads to life, that Hebrew word for life there means strength of being alive. It literally means that the, uh, the thing, the thing from its inner structure out is fully alive, fully well. So it really draws the picture of taking you to your, down to your, stripping you down to your skeletal structure. And here you is, the thigh bones connected to the hip bone, the hip bones connected to, you know. Okay, there you're down to your skeletal structure. Y'all didn't record that, did you? Can y'all cut that out? Okay, here we go. And it says, and this word says, it leads to life. It means from the very skeleton of who you are. That means your marrow, the marrow inside your bones is healthy. Which your bones are healthy. Your joints are healthy. Those, those organs within that, that structure is healthy. The systems, respiratory, circulatory, digest, all the systems are healthy. Every cell that builds even to the skin on the outside is healthy. So it's not healthy from the outside in. It means it's healthy from the inside out. Hallelujah. As righteousness leads to life, righteousness leads to that. So what we need to do is we need to get established in righteousness so it can lead us to where we're healthy from the inside out. Every system, every bone, every cell, every structure, every organ, every joint, every marrow, it's all healthy because of the Word of God. But that's where righteousness leads you to. And he says in Proverbs 12, 28, in the way of righteousness is that word life. There it is again, that word life, where you are made whole from the inside out. Your foundation is good. Your structure is good. Everything about you is made whole in Jesus' name. Man, this is good. Glory to God. I love this. God's Word is so good. Here's another one. It connects you to the source of God's throne. Look at that. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne, God. You're right here at the throne. You're connected to the throne. You're You're part of the foundation of the throne of God. Meaning now your life is lifting up God. You living in His righteousness, not yours. But if you did it, then you could say, look, I've done this. I've kept these laws. I've kept these laws. I've done all this. No, Jesus did it. So now your life is lifting up the throne of God. You're connected to the throne of God. Whoo, glory. Glory. God's particular about how His presence is carried. You remember the Ark of the Covenant and they thought they were going to bring it back into Israel and and Jerusalem and they've got it on the uh, oxen cart, the Philistines mode of transportation. And God said, no, I put rings on it so you can put a pole through it and the priest can put them on their shoulders and carry my presence. I don't want it carried any other way, but they put it on an ox cart, Philistines cart, and they're taking it and it tips over. And a man meaning well tries to steady it dead. Dead. David got an attitude and said, well, you're not bringing it to, we're not bringing it to Jerusalem now. Take it over here. Put it in this man's house. David gets word. Man, he's so blessed. He's so blessed. Man, ever since the Ark of the Covenant came there, the presence of God, it's just like that, that righteousness just causes the blessings of God. David said, let's go get it. Let's go get it. And they're carrying it now. And he would go, what, 15 steps and sacrifice a, a, a sacrifice. Kill an animal, make a sacrifice. Then they go 15 steps and they'd sacrifice. It took them forever to get to Jerusalem. But he's so saying, man, we need the presence of God. You're connected to the very throne of God through righteousness. Hallelujah. And then I'm going to end with this one. It brings much wealth. 
Nobody cares about that one, but you know, I just have to put it in there because there's the scripture, okay? I can't not leave, I just can't leave part of the scripture out. So for you who don't care about, well, then you don't worry about this one, okay? It's just there because of a theological function that I have to do as a student of God's word, okay? Proverbs 15 and 6, in the house of the righteous, there is a little trickle, tiny bit of just getting me by. That's not what I see. In the house of the righteous, there is much treasure. But, in the re- but the revenue of the wicked is trouble. Do you want trouble in your finances or do you want the favor of God in your finances? I'm telling you, I want the favor of God in my finances. And it's in the house of the righteous. There is much treasure. Now you've got to take the whole counsel of God's Word. God's Word says much wealth quickly is a bad thing. So if you're waiting for that rich uncle to die that you didn't know you even had and leave you a million, billion dollars, you know, that may not be the best thing for you. The Bible says a a get-rich-quick scheme is not of God. God says, I bring wealth to you little by little. And and it's because we're stewards. And when we're faithful and small, He he trusts us more. Then He entrusts us more. Right? Remember the parable of the talents. So when we study about the wealth of God comes with the wisdom of God. It's not the lifestyle of the rich and famous that you see, you know, maybe on television. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the wealth of God where there's more than enough. There's more than enough. But he wants to build upon it so that you can even do greater things in advancing his kingdom and leave an inheritance to your children and your children's children, the Bible says. Proverbs 10 and 3, the Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, which means suffer, suffer lack or desire of that which it desires, but he cast away the desire of the wicked. The Bible says God grants the uh, desires of our heart. So let me tell you what. You, you actually uh, increase will start chasing you down when you're established in righteousness. Healing and, and, and divine health chase you down when you're in righteousness. Joy and peace chase you down when you're in righteousness. Reconciliation of relationships and things that are broken are knit back together and made whole. This stuff comes to you. It's like you begin to attract it. And when you're attracting it, you can never say, look how good I am. My sleeves are rolled up. My hands are dirty. Look at the list that I've checked off. This is all because of me. It's so that you don't get the glory. So that you raise your hands and says, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's a good, good God. He's my Redeemer. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my Master. He's my King. And I believe. I believe. And God, help me with my unbelief. Help me get my believer even believing more. I believe that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. And that brings me into righteousness. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Now I can confess His Lordship unto sozo, salvation. That word sozo means wealth, healing, deliverance, uh, uh, this day and your future made secure, provision, provision. It's that abundant life Jesus was talking about. Wow. So I'm not now trying under condemnation because of my failures to try and get back to this, this pinnacle of righteousness. And it's slipping back down. And I try and I try and I try. And here I'm trying to get back there. And I keep slipping back down under condemnation. I'm hiding from God. 
I'm Adam and Eve hiding behind the trees. Hiding behind the trees. Because I'm under condemnation. That's the life of you trying to be your own righteousness. Or attain your own righteousness. you got to give up. The whole Old Testament brought us to the close. And then 400 years of a dark ages. No one heard from God. Wondered, is God still there? And then John the Baptist comes on the scene. John the Baptist starts pointing to a lamb. And he says, all those lambs, all those laws, and all those sacrifices, and all the things you tried to do in trying to be righteous before God was to prove to you that you can't, that you need a Messiah, that you need a Savior, that you need a lamb whose blood is spotless. And there's no such thing as any man or woman ever born with spotless blood. But there was one, him, born of the virgin. Born of the virgin. And he's without sin. And he's not sin. He's kept himself righteous so that he can come and take away the sins of the world and give to us the gift of righteousness. In and through a relationship with him, but it has to be through faith. you got to believe. Say, I believe. Come on, say, I believe. Say, I believe. Jesus is the Lamb of God. I believe. God is raising from the dead. And everything He came to do, He did. And now He did it for me. And I receive. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your plan. We thank you for your gift. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're helping to give us understanding in such a way that we are not running to an altar for a one-time prayer, that we're going to hang on to that one-time prayer in that date and never move beyond that except through trial and error of failure and giving up and maybe even turning back on you and hoping what we did that one time is, is enough to get us through. Bringing us from that one-time visit with you to a place where we want to be closer to you than ever. We want to draw nigh unto you. We want to hear your voice every day. We want to talk to you every day. We want to love on you every day. We want to tell others about you every day. We want to live for you every day. We want to worship you every day. We want to praise you every day. We want to brag on you every day. We want to learn more of you every day. We want to talk about you every day. We want to dance before you every day. We want to just praise you every day. We want to give unto your kingdom work every day. We want to live for you every day. We want to shout for you every day because now we understand it's about the relationship and we embrace you. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. I believe this. I believe it in my heart. And because I believe it, I'm going to run after you. I'm going to draw after you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to study after you. I'm going to talk about you. I'm going to listen to you every day, every day, every day. This ain't about a religion. This is about a relationship. I'm in love with you. I'm living for you. I'm serving you. You're my Lord. I surrender all to you. I'm not backing up. I'm not coming in and coming out. I'm not lukewarm. I'm hot. I'm hot. I'm going to live for you every day. I'm hot. I'm not lukewarm and I'm not cold. I'm not going anywhere but after you, Jesus. Help me believe more. Help me believer believe more because I believe I believe that you are the Son of God. 
God and that you have completed your redemptive work for me and you are alive. And I confess your Lordship over my life. Hallelujah. Father, it's my prayer that by your Spirit, every person under the sound of my voice would have the same desire, the same passion, the same drive after you. You said if we would draw nigh unto you, you would draw nigh unto us. Lord, we embrace your work for us. We embrace your righteousness as we prepare to go into this week and live in our lives in a miraculous way, bringing glory and honor and advancement of your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.